Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking on contagious. Everyone say contagious. This is a word that has been burning in my, my heart for a long time. And as I, when I was in prayer, this word kept coming up, contagious, contagious. And when I look at the early church, I see how contagious they were. That at a time where people were trying to kill them, as a time that people were trying to wipe them out, they grew. And there was something about the early church that caused people just to want to associate with them, to hang out with them, to be around them, to be impacted by them. And as time has gone on, the church has no longer become contagious. Instead, we become repellent rather than magnetic. And today we have to get back to becoming who God called us to be. And that is a people that are contagious, a people that draw those around them to recognize the goodness of God. If you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 2, and again, I apologize for the screen. Uh, The screen at the school just went out uh, this weekend. On Friday it went out at one of the productions of the school, and so we had to be a little... uh, a little um, creative this morning to make this happen. So I thank our our team for being creative to make this uh, take place this morning as well. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says this. Right after the uh, Holy Spirit is poured out in the upper room, they're speaking in other languages, they're speaking in tongues, and people from all over the world are gathered in Jerusalem, and they hear people, these Galileans, speaking in their language of the glory of God. And they're wondering, how do these people, how do they know our language? And how is it that they're testifying as to God's goodness? They must be drunk or something. Peter, the one that just a couple days earlier was hiding out, scared to death, that he was going to be killed by the same people that killed Jesus, stands up in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Acts and says this, Then Peter stepped forward with the the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Someone say shouted. He didn't whisper this. He got up in front of this whole community and he shouted, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. In other words, he's saying this. They're drunk. They're just not drunk like you think they are. They're not hitting Jack Daniels. They're not hitting, uh, you know, Captain Morgan. These individuals right now, they are drunk with the spirit of God. They're not drunk with alcohol. They are drunk with the presence of God in their lives. And just, I don't know, for those of you that have been drunk before, you know that there's certain levels of being drunk. That at first you get your buzz, and then after the buzz, you get a little bold. And after the boldness, you're ready to take everyone on. And then at the end of it, you're in love with everyone. There's a level of, 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 of a, there's a pattern that, that when you get a hold of God, there's this love that all of a sudden you get the presence of God in your life. You start feeling a, a little buzz of the presence of God. And then it takes you to a point where you're bold and you're willing to take everyone on. And then you begin to fall in love with everyone. See, there's a correlation. I'm not saying, to, I'm not giving, telling you to go get drunk now. What I'm giving you permission to do is be filled with the Spirit. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What what I want you to see here is Peter goes from being the church. They go from being bullied to bold 
from fearful to forceful, from scared to strong, from taking cover to taking over. Something has happened where they have become courageous. You can't have a contagious church until we develop a, you can't be a contagious church until we become a courageous church. We have to be a church that is bold, willing to stand up when everyone is questioning what's going on. And that's exactly what they do. To be contagious, this is what the word contagious means. It's an emotion or feeling or attitude likely to spread and affect others. When you talk about contagious right now, you, you go to any NFL stadium, there are going to be people that aren't even fans of the team that are there, but because of the atmosphere, they are going to be pulled into cheering, into shouting, into being involved. Why? Because there's something about an atmosphere that pulls you in. There's something about an atmosphere that gets you involved. And so I want you to see that just like a match, the early church, like a match, it just lit and it ignited all over the place. I want to know, how did a group of early followers of Jesus become so contagious? How did this group of, of fishermen, of tax collectors, of, of zealots, how did they go from hiding in fear to standing so boldly? What I want you to see is this very, very carefully. The early church, there, if anything should not have survived, it was the early church. Their leader is killed. The Roman government is after them. The religious time, the religious people of that time are going after them as well. You got a guy by the name of Saul that's going out and killing Christians and has made it his personal mission to wipe out every Christian on the face of the earth. And these individuals, have, have uh, they, they hear that Jesus is risen from the dead, but they really don't understand what that means. They go back to fishing in their old life. All these things are going on, persecution, and yet 50 days later, the very people that were yelling out, crucify him to Jesus, are now questioning Peter and the other disciples. And instead of hiding in fear, Peter stands up in the middle of the mob. And he says, these folks are not drunk like you think they are. Don't get it twisted. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. Says This is exactly what God was talking about. The early church, it was evident. How did they become contagious? Number one, we shared a few weeks ago that it was evident that they had been with Jesus. Secondly, we found out that they were united. They came together in one accord. Thirdly, we found out that they were obedient. They did exactly what God told them to do. And today, I want you to see what made them contagious is that they were unashamed. Someone say unashamed. Something's going on in this time. After an encounter with God, these guys that were scared to death are now standing publicly and telling everyone that they believe in Jesus. They're standing boldly, not afraid of dying, not afraid of repercussions. They are standing boldly and declaring the name of the Lord in the midst of this hostile environment. They were unashamed. The book of Mark chapter 8 verse 38 says this. This is Jesus talking. If anyone is ashamed, someone say ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful times, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. God's saying, don't, don't ever be ashamed of me. Because if you're ashamed of me on earth in front of man, 
I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father in heaven. And Jesus is setting this up that word ashamed. I want you to see means to be ashamed or to feel shame. It means a social, intellectual or religious humiliation or embarrassment. It, it was lit. It comes from a, the Greek word that means scandalous. That you, you committed a scandal so bad that now you're embarrassed to even come out. You don't even want to show your face. You don't even want to be out there. And that word ashamed is, is where we get the word scandalous from. It is such a scandalous thing to believe in the cross. And yet these men that were ashamed are now unashamed. They're standing boldly because the cross was scandalous. Jesus, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, was crucified naked. All these individuals that were that what Rome killed on the cross, they were crucified naked for open humiliation. Rome didn't Rome knew exactly how to kill someone and to it was don't, don't get it twisted. The cross was not about death. It was about a deterrent. It was something that the Roman government used to tell anyone that thought about coming against them, you come against us, this is what's going to happen to you. They could have just chopped your head off, but that's not what they were after. They were trying to deter anyone after you to come out and do the things that you did by hanging people on the cross. The cross was scandalous. And yet Jesus died on that scandalous cross, and now we wear that cross around our neck. It adorns churches because Jesus took what people were ashamed of and he made it something to be proud of. Come on, somebody say amen. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed, someone say ashamed, of the good news about Christ, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. You see, I want you to understand something as I bring this together this morning. The enemy wants you to be ashamed. We live in a, in a time, in a season in life where everyone is proud of what they're doing except the church. Say it again, Pastor. We, we are, everyone else is proud of their team. They're proud of their orientation. They're proud of their, their, their uh, racial background. They're proud of their group. They're proud of their club. They're proud of everything else. You even have pedophiles coming out and being proud and, and wanting to fight for the, the, uh, the right to meet at public libraries and so forth. And at a time where everyone is coming out proud of who they are, we have a church that's afraid to stand up for a God that not only loved you, but came down, created you, and came back and bought rebought what was his own a church that is ashamed cannot be contagious a church that's afraid and ashamed to say yeah that I believe in God cannot be contagious what caused these people to be contagious was the very fact that they were unashamed about the fact that they believed in God I want to know do you believe in God you know, even more than that, do you understand that even though you believe in God, God believes in you even more? God believes in you. That these men were so unashamed of the gospel of Christ that even when Rome tried to wipe them out, as Rome tried to kill him in the persecution of Nero, as he went after the early church, now you walk through Rome and you see crosses throughout Rome that the very thing they tried to destroy, they actually developed. 
I'm here to tell you is that when someone takes a stand for God, that when you rise up, see the world, listen, the world is not against what you believe in. They just don't believe that you believe in what you believe in. We say we believe in something, but we we compromise our beliefs so quickly. The early church was willing to stand and say, you can kill me if you want to, but I believe so greatly in who God is. You can kill me. You can nail me to a cross, but I believe with everything in me who he is. John said this. We didn't run out writing to you what we heard about. We saw him with our eyes. We handled him with our hands. We experienced this firsthand. You see, you're only ashamed of that which you haven't experienced. Say it again, Pastor. You're only ashamed of what you haven't experienced. You're not going to take a stand for God if you haven't experienced God. If God hasn't changed your life, that's why I know John will stand up for God because after living in a life of, of, of drugs and, and being in prison, he had an encounter with God that transformed his life that now he can stand boldly and help other people out because when you have had an encounter with God, nothing and no one can tell you that God isn't real. The problem isn't the fact that we don't love God. It's just the fact that we haven't had an encounter with God yet. Oh, you've come to church, but you haven't had an encounter with God yet. They're not one and the same. See, I want you to understand something. Even at the threat of death, these people stood up boldly. See, I want you to understand this as I get ready to close. Shame. Everyone say shame. When Adam and Eve, when, when they ate of the fruit, how many know in the book of Genesis, God goes looking for them? And God says, where are you? Now, God doesn't ask any question without already knowing the answer to it. So when God asks you a question, he is trying to let you come to a revelation. He was asking Adam and Eve, do you know where you're at? Adam and Eve, where are you? I'm God. I know where you're at. I built this garden. I know exactly where you're at right now. Where are you? Do you know where you're at? My question to you, do you know where you're at today? Because the first thing that we do when we fall away from God or where sin enters in or we get separated from God, we do what Adam and Eve did all those years ago. We hide in the bushes. You didn't get that, okay? Let me explain. God created the bushes. When they separated from God and they knew that they no longer had a relationship with God, they hid in creation. They hid out in what God made. You're still not catching this. You're hiding out in creation. It just takes the edge off, man. Just, just, just takes the edge. I just need to relax. I just need to relax. Just need to calm down. All those things are creations. 
Adam and Eve covered themselves in the garden that God created. They were hiding out in the bushes. Why? Because when God asked him, he said, where are you? He goes, why, why are you hiding? He goes, because we felt ashamed. We felt ashamed. And that's what's going on with the church today. We're trying to proclaim a God that we're hiding out from. Because when we don't live right, we don't act right, I can't tell my coworker about God when he's been watching how I live. How can I be bold or unashamed? How can I tell you about a God that by my lifestyle, I don't even believe in? We've got a lot of Christian atheists running around. You, you live like God doesn't exist. But you believe he does, but you live like he doesn't. Many times our lifestyle tells me what you really believe more than what your words do. Your true theology comes out in how we live. And what, what, did, what, did, Jesus, what did God do when he found Adam and Eve? What's wrong with you guys? Stupid, I give you all this place and this is the way you act. Is that what he does? This is what blows me away about a lot of churches that talk about sin and talk about generational curses. This is what I have a problem with. Because they said, God didn't curse Adam and Eve. He cursed the ground and he cursed the serpent. But he covered Adam and Eve. No, you didn't hear me. Many of you right now, you're going through some things in life and you're looking at that. My life doesn't match up to the grace that God has offered to me. I've blown it in relationships. I've blown it in how I deal with people. I've blown it with addictions. I've blown it with my wife. I've messed up with my kids. And here I am trying to proclaim a God in my imperfect state. I need you to know you don't have to be perfect. God is. He covered Adam and Eve. He didn't uncover them. He didn't curse them. He covered them. In fact, you know what he does? They covered themselves with leaves. Those leaves are going to dry up. And let me tell you, what, what things that you use in life to cover you from your sin, from your shame, they'll work for a little while. Might get by for a little while, but then it starts to crumble and you're exposed all over again. So what did God do? He covered them, the Bible says, with, anyone remember? With what? Skin. Animal skins. How do you think God got the animal skin? He had created the animals with skin, but what, where did he get these skins from? He had to kill what he loved, what he created. Oh, you're not catching this. 
He had to kill what he loved, what he created, in order to cover those that he loved even more. That God was willing to kill what he loved, what he created, what he, he had breathed into, what he spoke into being. That very thing, that animal that God had had in his mind created and spoken into being, he killed that thing in order to give Adam and Eve something to cover them permanently rather than temporarily. And he showed that same extreme love for us when he did the same with his son Jesus. That, that animal skin may cover your nakedness, but it's not going to take away your sin. So I'm going to take what I love. Take what I, is precious to me. And I'm going to sacrifice him so that your shame can be taken away. As I close this morning... I want you to see this. The word of God says. Let me get back here to Romans 10, 11. The scripture says anyone who believes in him will never. Someone say never. Be put to shame. Never be put to shame. I want you right, right now. There, there's, the enemy can't keep you from believing in God. I'm going to keep you from being bold for God by keeping you in shame. But I break shame over your life right now in Jesus' name. I break shame. I break regret. I break the past over you right now. Bow your heads. Father, I just speak life to every person here. I decree life. I speak hope in Jesus' name. Lord, you died on the cross and you shed your blood, my God, in order to cover us, not with animal skins, but with the love of God. Lord, nails didn't keep you on the cross, love did. Your love for us, your concern to remove the shame in our lives. So I break right now, and heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. You're here right now, and you've wanted to go deeper with God, but sometimes shame keeps getting in the way. You hear these voices, who are you to do this? You can't do this, you can't do that. And you got these voices that are holding you back from being everything God told you to be. Even in times when you're with family, you, there are times you want to speak out about the goodness of God, but you're ashamed to do so. God said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. I want to stir up boldness in your life right now. And that's you. Just lift your hand right where you are. Yes, God bless you. 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 Lord, we just stir up boldness right now. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down quickly. Secondly, you're here right now and maybe there's something that you've done that you're ashamed of. Just between you and God right now, there's something that you've done and you're having a hard time getting beyond that. Lift your hand right now. I just want to pray God would just break that shame over your life. Yes, yes, yes. Those things have been holding you back. We're going to remove those barriers this morning. We're going to speak freedom. We're going to speak liberty in Jesus' name. You can put, you can put your hands down right now. And you're telling, you're just making a declaration to the Lord this morning. God, I want to be bold for you. I don't want to be ashamed of you anymore. 
Lord, you died openly for me. I want to live openly for you. If that's you as well, lift your hand right where you are as well. I want to live boldly for Christ. Yes, I see those hands going up all over the place. Just on the count of three, everyone that lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet. Ready? One, two, three. Just stand to your feet right now. If you would put the scripture, 1 John 1, 9 on the screen for me. 1 John 1, 9. The Bible says this. If we confess, everyone say confess. Our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we are faithful to confess our sins, if we confess our sins to him, you can't see the confess because it's in red. And so... The enemy can only blackmail you when you're trying to hide something. Okay, let me try this side. The, the enemy can only blackmail you when you're trying to keep something private. Okay? The moment you confess something, it's out in the open. You can say whatever you want about me. I already confessed what I did. You have nothing over me anymore, Satan. You have nothing over me that you can, you can keep me down on. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to be ashamed. You can't hold me back any longer because I've already confessed it. I already released it. And right where you are, if you're, even if you're sitting, you know you want to be standing right now. Right where you are, I want you just to lift your hands with me. Let's just confess to God. Whatever it is that you need to let go of, whatever it is that you've been carrying with you, whatever it is, you don't, you don't have to confess it to me. God is the great high priest standing on your behalf right now. Whatever it is, confess to him. Lord, you know I took that money. You know that word, that, that gossip I started about someone. You know that sin that I committed. You know what I did last night. Lord, right now, my God, I confess to you. Just right where you are, confess. As Sepha begins to sing, I just want to create an atmosphere. As he sings, just begin to confess before the Lord right now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.